Like, if I turn my head to the side, you get blurry. Maybe I should turn my head to the Yeah, that, like, you look much better now, Josh. <laughs> There's just a blob over there. Welcome to the Metacast. I'm Josh Anderson. And I'm Bob Galen, a.k.a. Bob the Lawnmower Galen. The what? The lawnmower. Why are you the lawnmower? Yeah, because you're you're grass. Oh, yeah. that's right. Yeah, the grass, and yeah. I'm, I'm going to mow it today. So Bob came in very excited today, ready to skewer me. Skewer. 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 Mow. With an S. Give you a trim on the yeah. top. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Because last podcast, we talked about a couple things around our implementation of Spotify and one of those being what was one of those Josh one of those was if I remember was it like look ahead sort of yeah sort of? I was trying to not use the RP word words what's what are the RP release planning yeah that wasteful terrible practice that some people you know promote and others like undermine really <laughs> <laughs> who would undermine that I don't know. I see. I, you Are know, you accusing me of undermining? Well, you haven't been fond of that term in the past. I wish I would have looked up the Metacast. I was driving down here, and I said, damn it, I missed an opportunity. <laughs> no, I should have had reference points. At Metacast 32, you said this. At 12 minutes and 45 seconds. Exactly. In. Quote, unquote. <laughs> John Anderson. Uh, so I think there is some historical quotes where you were not too fond of release planning. Yes? No? I am not fond of release planning. And we, you and I together here with the dude, have, from my perspective, modified my view on what re- release planning was. We've done what? <laughs> what? Modified my view. Holy crap, really? <laughs> modified my view. An MMV. Sure. <laughs> All right. Well, a minimal marketable viewpoint. All right. So, so you've moved from what to what? Uh, abhorrence to <laughs> I'm sorry I should have not said that while you're drinking water um, yes. from abhorrence to acceptance holy crap so that's that's like moving across the Grand Canyon that is a chasm that is a chasm so what what so tell us more about that so the back the back story, story the, the back origin story hold on everyone this is the back story for the crossing the chasm for release planning by Josh Anderson. That's very good. I just set the stage for you. I know I don't have enough to really fill that void set by that intro. So historically, release planning as it was put on me in previous places, release planning was a nine to 12 month commitment on this is what you're delivering, when it's delivering, all of that stuff. And that to me, is very unagile and is um, ripe with areas for pain and suffering. It becomes a death march because of the things that you learn along the way. So that was the frustration that I had is that we are not taking advantage of the things we've learned in that 9 to 12 months to adjust where we're going. So you had some baggage. Oh, yeah. From a, a previous company. Yeah. Which will remain nameless. Yes. But, yeah, they, they, they had... Uh, earth earthen data 
storage. <laughs> That's very good. <laughs> so cool. So it's a commitment. I remember you and I. Did. It is the commitment, but also the just not even acknowledging that three months in, we've learned new stuff. And things are changing. And we're going to adjust. Just just the fact that we're unwilling to make an adjustment, even if it's the right thing. We're yep. not even going to look at it because yep. the release is planned. Yep. Yep. I'm, I'm with you. And I get and I understand other parts of the organization need appropriate view into the things we're going to get when so we can plan and sales and marketing and everything that goes along with that. There's a lot, and I understand that. But also... As an organization, we have to learn how to be fluid and understand that, okay, the th stuff that we thought was right for us to build from a business perspective, not how we're going to build it, but what we should build has changed and we should adjust. Well, I mean, there's, a, there's variables. So I've always looked at release planning as having variables in it, right? It's just a baseline. You're establishing a baseline vision. So if you, if you strongly commit to it, you're making a mistake. If uh, you, you identified look ahead, like nine to 12 months is a pretty extreme look ahead. Yeah. So, so the further you look ahead, the more you so the more variation you're going to have, the more change you're going to have. So if you try to freeze it for 12 months, that's a terrible right. So that's a terrible burden. And then the change is is what it's it's 360 degree change. So there's going to be internal discovery, but there's also going to be external adjustments from a customer point of view. Right. And if you try to deny those, it's not you know sometimes people say that's out agile, but it's it's sort of non-adaptive. It's not. It, it's not adjusting to the landscape. It would be like driving down the road and it starts raining and you don't turn on your wipers, right? right? You, you're just, you're sort of ignoring the reality of, you know, what's changed. And, 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 and I always got very defensive about it because the developers that I would represent in those meetings, they want to build stuff that adds value. And when they get halfway through a project and they realize what they're building isn't the maximum value that their customers are going to get, they get disheartened. It's like, well, what? why are we doing this? What's the right answer? Yeah, yeah. so I can understand that as well. So you've changed. So you've changed, I have Josh. been able to be a part of a modification. Okay. So part so, of... So, so talk about... Part talk. of what's been going on here at the Dude is, is we've been able to set our own course. Okay. Right, so we've been able to define that. One of the things that I said that got you all fired up last podcast was that I've always aspired to have a three-month look ahead. What I meant by that is having the development team have a three-month view of what's coming their way. What okay. are we going to build? Not dates and all that stuff, but what's coming at us? What are we going to need to think about? What architecturally are we going to want to put in place or maybe not put in place so that we, we build it right? Because we want to build the right thing and we want to build it the right way. Well, part of that, part of release planning is, and to me, and you know this, it's it's not, forget the dates for a second. Um, I mean, they're important and commitment, some some commitment to a plan is important, I guess. Yes. But to me, one of the, the most important part or the most important parts of the release planning is sort of looking at like technology look ahead, architecture look ahead, UX look ahead, uh, dependency look ahead, cross-team dependency look right. ahead. Where when you're not doing that, you never you're catching those things in real time, which can be incredibly wasteful as well, right? And you're doing rework, you're making mistakes along the way, mm -hmm. and not to be stuck in the look ahead, but to be looking ahead. So that's sort of what you're saying, is technical look ahead, right. is right. That right is having the capability of business. Please give us a three month view of what we you want us to deliver in the next three months, right? 
Beyond that, I understand there's going to be change and churn. Let that change and churn. We don't need to see that, but give us a three-month window and just keep sliding that forward as we go and build things. But this is a fundamental change for you. I mean, I remember not digging into the past, but I could. That you've been like a block, you know, you've been like a brick wall when it comes to this look-ahead crap and this release planning stuff. You and I have been sort of at loggerheads about that, right? Um, and I think mostly because of the baggage that okay. I had with me, right. and 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 I fought very hard here. And we've actually used words like forecast. Like it's not a release plan; it's a forecast. Here's what we know, and just like with the weather, right? You update the forecast as the day goes along, and you get new models, you get new whatever, as things change out in the ocean or wherever else, whatever's happening out right. there that's affecting right. the weather. Right. The forecast gets updated. Right. So, the way I'm trying to approach these things is, we're going to tell everybody early and often what we know and what we think based on that, and that is a transitional thing of getting people that have similar baggage to what I have that when you say a date, that it's a date and it's locked and loaded and nothing's going to change. It's like, well, no, things will change. And as we get closer, so I always use the fog, right? That as we get closer, it's going to become more and more clear. So here we use the term, the fog, a whole lot to right. represent. Cause that's, that's how I view things is your roadmap is in front of you. And right. the further away it is from you, the foggier it is, the closer it is, the more clear it is. And you should be able to lock that in and grab it. So we try and operate the same way, and we are doing pretty good here. I'm pretty happy with that. So that's why I've changed my stance a little bit because I've removed some of the baggage and have been able to create some new baggage. It's it's the look ahead. I mean, it's it's that stuff. It's cross team commitment. It that, not big C commitment. I, I get the forecast thing. Is yeah. it commitment or is it a forecast? Uh, a lot of times that's cultural to a company. Whatever the, you know, if the company is truly agile in their DNA, then you can say commitment. Right. Everyone understands what it is. Yep. If the company struggles with it, you know, from a cultural perspective, then use whatever terminology says that we're going to change. But it's get the whole team together. Look at, I've always felt like uh, when you do a backlog, I, I call them release planning. I, when I teach release planning, I talk about glue stories. And I say we're doing release planning to uncover the stories that typically wouldn't, aren't clearly obvious. Uh, dependencies does it a disservice, do you know what I'm saying? I want to look for stories like we're going to do this feature and oh we need a spike for this feature and oh we need to set up a server to test this feature, the performance, right. and oh we need to, uh, I don't know, do some research and we need to do an alpha test at one of our customers. So there's this feature, but if we didn't do the release planning, we wouldn't uncover all of this stuff around it that is necessary to deliver it. I, that was maybe a bad example, but I'm looking for that stuff around it. Regression tests, very often we trivialize regression. We don't characterize it in a backlog. We don't characterize it in our planning. Uh, and it's not just run a regression, but what kinds of regressions, how often. So given this content, we should run three regressions. One, you know, a regression after the first sprint, a regression after the third sprint, a regression after the fifth sprint. Well, guess what the effort is? The glue story is we need three regressions, not just one. Right. But that was driven not not by a model. That was driven for this release. Do you know what? I hope I'm making sense. It's that stuff that I conversationally that I want to drive out to. So we, that gets back to our, all of this stuff is to drive conversation. All yeah, these ceremonies, yeah. everything. What is it? The stories. The missing every pieces. Every ceremony. The bits. The bits and pieces. Well, actually, they're not bits. I actually would argue that Glue stories, I think, are usually 30 to 40% of a backlog. Right. It's not trivial. It's not trivial stuff. It's not magic. You want to surface it so you can talk about it, so you can position it, so you can size it. Right. All of that stuff. So to 
line up with what you're saying, if you were to walk into our release planning, or we actually call them PSI, we we Uh-oh. we we like that safe term. Yep. I'm not a big fan of safe, but I like that it's potentially shippable. We're not saying because the thing I've always been hung up with is okay, let's not say we're only going to release at the end. Maybe right. we release four times along this three month plan that we right. have. Um, so I, I get hung up around terms and stuff like that, and you know I've got weird stuff about that. Hence the Spotify thing, which we talked about the time before. But the product owners come with their anchor stories of these are the 10 things that we need built that we would really love to see if this team can build in these six sprints. That starts out as like 10 stickies. Yep. At the end of that session, it ends up as 35 stickies. Exactly. Plopped throughout all the sprints that we have out there so that validates everything that you're saying that's what that process is really about is product owners get up there they explain this is what and we have refined them a little bit ahead so we aren't springing them on people because that would just be a horrible mess right but the teams had a chance to think about them but this is when they really dig in and say okay if we're going to build that we got to figure this out that's a spike we got to do this we don't even have that we got to build that we got to refactor this service that's out there and on and on and on. And on and, and on. And that's what defines everything that is the anger story. It's not even the team. I mean, it is the team's conversation. But to your point, I think the product owner is sitting there listening to this stuff and saying, I want the team to do 10. Now we've exploded the work. Not artificially. It needs to be real work. People yeah. can't be making things up. But it's the real work. And now the PO and the team are starting to say, well, crap, if I have a fixed date, re- date release or a fixed iteration release, which you should have, well, then I can only do seven right. of these things. So which seven? Uh, so it's you're very early. You're still going to decompose the work. You're still going to groom or refine the work. But you're getting this high-level view of what's feasible, uh, what, what all the work, to your point, all of the work from the team's perspective. Mm-hmm. And the product owner is there engaging with the team and sort of making trade-off calls on the fly before we ever have what, committed to the release or forecasted the release. Mm-hmm. You, so there's a level of, I don't know, confidence. There's a level of clarity high, at a high level. Uh, there's a level of focus. What is the minimal marketable set that we're you know trying to focus on? Right. And and all of, the, all of that stuff, I think, is outcomes of the release planning. And, and I guess you're starting to see the value to that stuff. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, so now we... We do a little bit different, and we're going to see how this works out. Um, the one thing that we've done, instead of doing a release plan or a PSI event every quarter, we do it every two weeks, and we just keep that sliding window of six sprints out in front of us. So we're doing cool. a little bit at a time instead of big chunks why do, four times why a year. Why do that? I'm curious. Uh, just, again, to to learn and iterate on number one, the process to get better at the process. Cause it's like going with a one week sprint whenever yep. you start yep. with uh, scrum, we are doing the same thing. So to just have a continual look at that. So it makes the event less big and scary and painful. It makes it a little bit easier and we just get better at it. Is it are you and we have a more continual view. So we are releasing as the product owners say, these are the things we're going to release together. So we're going to release these five stories together when they're done. And those are the priority. So we get those done, but we aren't having this wind down and then build up. That's what that's what I was wondering. Part of the driver there, what what is is sort of slicing up the release planning event, but part of it is flexibility. I'm asking, but flexibility to release smaller chunks when they're ready. Yeah. So we're gonna releases should just happen for us. So that's our goal is that a release and the whole 
hip sprint and all that stuff. You know how I feel about hardening and everything that goes along with that. But um, the intention is that whenever those features are done, whenever those stories are done, right. we ship. We just move on. So we always have a six sprint view because at some point during that, if you only do it once a quarter, you go from a six sprint view to a two sprint view. Right. And then how do you how do you prep for the next six sprints that are coming after without a large effort coming at you. I have to think about that. So that's interesting. That's what we're trying to offset is that event of, holy cow, we got to hurry up and do right. kind of just-in-time right. planning, but let's right. just chunk it up and do it along the way, just like a sprint. Well, it changes spiking, too. It changes some of the strategies there as well because it's much more in real time. Yeah. That's, I'm, that's curious. So it gives us and the product owners the feedback of how we're going and where we're going, and we actually, part of that is we... Because we're two sprints into the six sprints that we planned, we actually refine the four sprints that we're planned. So we add some clarity around yep. that based on what we learned. We clarify that maybe stuff moves in, moves out. We aren't sure what the right so answer is. So you could is. potentially be reforecasting every two weeks or every two sprints. Every two sprints, yeah. As well. Okay. Yep. On the safe side, and I'm, I'm probably going to get this wrong, but uh, they've changed safe. I think your training was 3.0. Uh, save three five. They've changed PSI, potentially shippable increment. They call it a PI, a program increment. Mm -hmm. They've been very specific to to, and you'll like this, to reference that you can release along the way yeah. in the train. And I knew you would like that. Yes. And then the hip sprint has become an IP sprint, where they removed hardening. I mean, you can still oh, in in the model. Nice. So they they've not only can you release along the way, but they talk about hardening being implemented along the way along right. the Good. train. Yeah. So then there's just innovation and planning in the IP sprint. It can still do hardening, but they're sort of trying to encourage uh, multiple releases during the train and ongoing hardening during the train. And I think that's only getting a more aggressive. That's three five. They're coming up with four zero, mm -hmm. and I think they're sort of optimizing. So they're trying, they're they're trying to create a more lean or a more agile release train, if you, or right. at least the thinking right in that train. Makes sense to me. Yeah, absolutely. So I wasn't over. I was overreacting to the gap in the last Metacast. Right. I was like, <laughs> holy, who are you? What alien has taken over your body? Right. Um, because you were so adamant before. Uh, and I think that was to your credit. I mean, you're just saying that's the baggage I yeah. had, right? And you're doing some of that stuff now. Uh, to me, what your category is now, I mean, outside of the every two weeks, is what I classically think of as release planning. Mm -hmm. It's just the advantage. It's just a look ahead advantage. If some of the anti patterns, if, to your point, if you get stuck in it, like if I ever, if you would ever hear the language in a team metacasters, like you know, it's not in our release plan or we're going to defer that because it's not in our release plan and language like that, then your your release planning is not agile release planning, it's traditional release planning. Or mm -hmm. if your stakeholders look at you and say, you committed, or forecast, whatever the language is. You forecasted 10, yeah. 10 epics, right. damn it, you need to deliver 10 epics on Saturday morning. That kind of language is, is sort of counterproductive as well. There needs to be some fluidity and flexibility in the commitments and the planning. Uh, in adapting cu to customer needs, et cetera. Mm -hmm. No matter what you call it, if it's big R, you know, big RP or, or PSI or whatever. Uh, did we cover this? I think so. I was expecting to be attacked. Well, I came in prepped Were you, with a defense. Did you, did you, I was ready. Did you wear a cup? No. No cup? I you should have. I always Because my low. defense was good enough. I was ready. I was oh, confident. Oh, you're getting cocky now? Yeah. 
Well, you're sitting over there looking at me with a cocky look in your face? Yeah. It's like putting a red bone in front of a dog. I knew it was coming. What? what? I was ready. Were you? Yeah. No, you didn't have to be ready because you totally changed your mind. You went from being totally wrong to being totally right. So, you know, there wasn't that much. I evolved. So if you're in the, if you're in the totally right, well, then you and I are aligned because, oh. I, because I'm always totally right. Really? Yes. You sure about that? Uh, no. I believe there's some person I could call that there, might disagree. I, I think I think you went plural, Josh. <laughs> I don't think there's just a person that you can call. Um, so I'm I'm wondering if there's any topics around release planning. What the dynamics? Anything that's missing? Just to, I want want to add some time. So, so can you share any dynamics of what's going on here? You've sh- you've shared some. The one thing that I'm working on pretty hard now is the preparation for the release planning. So making sure that we as a leadership group have what I call the super backlog prepped and ready to roll with enough clarification. So what that means is that's effort with the product owners, but then with the executives from a strategy of, okay, for this quarter, this quarter, this quarter, these are the things that we think we need to meet our sales numbers. And everything that goes along with that to generate the revenue and everything that we want to be with tens of percentage of growth points each and every year. You've got to build new product to help sales and do all of that. So it starts pretty darn high, right? And working that chain and and getting everybody to understand the things that have to happen ahead of that meeting for it to be as successful as possible. I I like that thinking. I mean, when you and I've sort of slammed, I've slammed safe in the past, I mean, I'm a safe consultant now in SPC, et cetera, and I understand it much better than I did historically, but I still have this tendency to slam it and more than I should. There's some things in safe that are really healthy. Uh, PSI planning the event talks about, I don't know if you remember this, but it talks about you don't hand the team stories. You don't hand the team epics. You hand the team objectives. Mm -hmm. And then the team decomposes, and it's not... It's the leadership, it's the product leadership, it's you know the C-level leadership hands the team goals and objectives, and then the team decomposes that into stories, plans them out, and then aligns that with the executive ask. There's this wonderful sort of collaboration of de- decomposition, mm-hmm. uh, and, and so that you're not, you're telling the team the problems you're trying to solve or the business challenges, and then the team is responding back. And I think that dynamic's incredibly healthy. It's what you're alluding to now. But it's work, and it's different work than what you expect, right? Absolutely. You think you're going to walk in with a backlog and it's ready to roll. There's actually many steps that have to happen prior to that. So that's something that we're working through as an organization. What's the right way to handle it? Like, we know what we need to do, but the execution's harder than you would think, right? Absolutely. It's working through that, yeah. It's the why. There's so much emphasis nowadays, which I think is healthy emphasis on why in metacasters the more release planning aside the more we can focus on whenever we're communicating asks to teams the more we can uh, clarify why are we asking it what problem are we trying to solve the better the results are personas are like that uh you know focusing on the why and the stories focusing on the why and the and the psi objectives etc which I think is what you're alluding to. Just prepare the. It's even good for the executive team. So mm-hmm. it's it's not just for the team. It's it's you know it's articulate yeah. articulating the why may change what you're asking for, and may, or it may change the priority from a leadership perspective. Cool. Anything else? I don't think so. Stick a fork in this dog. Yeah. I'm glad you've evolved, Josh. 
I'll just put that on record. Um, it's now medic. It's now in the Medicast Hall of Hall of Shame or Fame that you that you have learned. You've improved. You've, I have. Well, you've that's evolved. kind of the whole thing, right? Continuous, continuous improvement mm-hmm. um, and alignment to Bob. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, that is not in the manifesto it's anywhere. Not, no, it's in our manifesto. No, no. I'd like to strike that out if it is. Really? Who wrote this manifesto? I did. You did. <laughs> the, the manifesto of Bob. Well, that explains it. That explains a lot of the problems we have yeah. in the Medicast, <laughs> don't you think? So. Uh, so hopefully, Metacaster's release planning, uh, you now have a more balanced view to it. Uh, if you want us to drill into it more, I mean, it's a it's a pretty nuanced topic. Safe, we've talked about it historically. Uh, I'll put a link to a paper that I've written about it okay. on, on this Metacast. Uh, but if you want us to drill into some dynamics... Um, in more detail, we can certainly do that in a future Metacast. Yeah, any feedback about, okay, that sounds good, now how do you actually execute on it, that's fine. If you guys have it under control, cool. If not, we'll be happy to dig in. And Well, you talked about it. it your history was a slippery slope. It, it, it does. Let's be honest. It does have a slippery slope aspect mm-hmm. to it, right? It does. It can be abused. That's what, right. that's what you experienced historically. I think that's still relevant today. Right. Well, and even folks on our teams, when we did the first one, you and I wrote on a piece of paper, this is not a blood oath, this is a forecast. We had, we had, we had four or five to things, do that, right? and we signed that because I wasn't the only one with the baggage. And granted, the fact that I had baggage, I ended up putting that baggage on other people, which is a fault of my own, but other people had their own baggage I remember we did, we did well. that. We right. actually had to sign a disclaimer that we're not going to sign, you know, it's a not a blood oath commitment to yeah. delivering software, et cetera, just to get people to engage in it properly with the right, you know, sort of right. honest And open. that's still up in our space over there. Is it really? Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. But it's whatever it takes to get that. I, I would agree with you. It's not. It's, it is a slippery slope, and it does have this connotation of baggage. Yeah, which is where... I really value doing it every two sprints really drives that home because yeah. it shows we've learned, we're adjusting, we're building the right things for the well, right Well, the key reasons. thing is adjusting, right. and building the right things, right? Absolutely. That's a nice end of this Metacast. So, Metacasters, if you found us, you know how to find us, uh, then you know how to give us feedback. We welcome any and all kinds of feedback. Man, uh, you're good. So now i got to do the other part, right? What's the other part? From beautiful, we're not in downtown. I feel like you say no downtown. one knows. No one knows where we're. Oh, from. okay. From beautiful downtown Cary, North Carolina, we think. Close enough. <laughs> I'm Josh Anderson, and I'm Bob Galen. Jake, and bake. Bye, y'all. <laughs> <laughs>